that's that's such a shame because it I think if more people saw that movie, they'd be like, wow, this movie was awesome, you know? Yeah, for real. I saw some posts the other day saying how, like, oh, Bell is an awful movie. I don't know why anybody watched that. And I was like, bro, did we watch the same movie? (laughs) You're entitled to your own opinion, but your opinion is just wrong. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It is the Super Clash Podcast, a podcast about shorter games. It is episode 59. I am your host, Kale. Good morning. <laughs> uh, you're about 12 hours too late there, there, man. That's not necessarily true. We release this in the morning, and people probably listen to it when it comes out in the morning. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I am your host. Wait. You already did that. Fuck, dude. <laughs> Say your name. Okay, I'm Connor. Fine. And how was your week, Connor? Um, It was okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, I kind of had a little bit of a of a rough week, just kind of a rough mental state. Um, just in general, it's been very hard to like sleep. It's been kind of hard to work and play games, and just kind of been like a, I don't know, man. It's it's, it's like a, it's one of those weird things to where like I get unjustifiably angry over little things. That's fair, and it's just. Mm. I, but I can see why you would, you know, this the state of the world and everything. Right, but, uh, right. Really, though, what should be keeping you up at night is the fact that you suck at games. I do. <laughs> I, I, I suck at games. I don't know where I was going to go with it, but I just landed <laughs> on that one. I'm not even going to deny it. I'm, I'm generally pretty bad at video games. The only the only game I could say I was, I'm decent at is probably Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. How do you think you were at the game we're going to talk about today? I, I thought I was pretty good. Okay. Just, I just didn't get a chance to finish finish because of the of said mental state. What chapter did you get to out of curiosity? Maybe chapter three. Three. So not 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 far at all. Um. So. Uh, yeah, but I do have a kind of a of a uh, kind of a funny story here, and that that will kind of transition into some of the things we're going to talk about before we dive into the uh, meat of the uh, episode. At my work. Um, we get, um, what's called a transfer and what a transfer is, it's very simple is we have multiple warehouses in the state of the Missouri and a transfer is simply when we ask for one product to go from one warehouse to the other. So if we're out of a certain beer or liquor, we would call one of the other warehouses in the state and they would load it in a truck and bring it to us. Okay. Um, and the guy that that delivers the transfer, I don't know um, if he's new, or, or or something, but he always takes a really, really, really long time to back into our parking lot, or, or at least the loading loading dock, and like he like he'll go in forward and then try to jackknife it, turn around in a tiny ass parking lot, and then back in. Okay, and. If he's new, I can understand there's two probably two schools of thoughts here. One, I can see him see like, I don't know, the company that he works for saying, just give him this route. It's fairly difficult. Let's just have him dive in and and he'll learn. It's kind of like if you want to teach your kid to swim, just throw him in the deep end, you know? Okay. But And there's also another school of thought is he's new, so let's kind of give him an easy route to kind of ease him into it. I'm I'm generally... Um, the latter for that. 
Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for the guy taking an hour and a half to back into a to into a loading dock. But I couldn't help but just kind of sit there and watch him and just say to myself, you know what? I played some SnowRunners. I think I can do this. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, and kind of funny because we actually played some SnowRunners this week. Yeah. What did you think, by the way? Um, It's like, okay, I've played this game before. Um, I played it on my own. I've played a little bit with you and David. Um, it's It was very difficult starting out because some of the, ta- some of the tasks that you guys had me do, I was not equipped for. And it was very frustrating until I realized that I could, sh- I could just sell my DLC truck. I got $100,000 and I got a, a mid-tier truck that has differential lock and all-wheel drive. Yeah. And as soon as I got that, it was smooth sailing from there. I could basically do anything I wanted with it. And once, once you get that and understand the mechanics, it is surprisingly super fun. Yeah. I never would have thought that a game called SnowRunners, where you drive a big rig, would be as much fun as it is. Yeah, you just haul freight. It's like, and it's such a chill game too. It's difficult, but it's such a chill game too. Yeah, it, there's some frustrating moments for yeah for sure. And what's cool too is is that it got a PS5 upgrade, so it's 4K 60. Yeah, I really want to get um like a team of four going in this game because I feel like honestly if you could get a team of four going and you just went off in doubles mm-hmm. to handle things like all the irritation of oh shit I tipped my truck or oh I'm stuck somewhere it kind of goes by the wayside because when it was just David and I playing the game we would go off in doubles mm-hmm. and so you know I would be following him or he'd be following me but we'd both Usually, I think in the early levels, they wanted like two of everything. So it was like, oh, well, I'll grab one, you grab one, we'll follow each other. If one of us gets stuck or gets tipped, we'll help the other one out and keep going. Mm-hmm. And I think if we could get four people, that would be awesome to do. You know, send, you know, you off with one of us and then David off with another person and then, you know, kind of achieve more in the game faster. Because I think, honestly, if you tried to play this game by yourself, it would take so much longer to do. Yeah. Because it takes a lot just getting from point A to point B in that game. We need to find someone that has the patience for this game. This this is a hurry-up-and-wait game. Yes. So, but it's, it's, it's such an enjoyable game, and I really kind of hope that the developers kind of come out with some kind of sequel they've been pushing out dlc for this left and right yeah and there is no reason a game like this should look as beautiful as it does it's a good looking game it's such a good looking looking game this is like maybe from a double a studio yeah and this is their i want to say their second game in the series cuz the first one i think was called mud or spin tires mud runner yeah i think it was or just yeah mud runners and i have that one on switch cuz i picked it up after i played snow runner i was like this is awesome mm-hmm. i also have snow runner on switch too i'm curious to try it on there yeah man but um it's a fun game i recommend it to i actually you know what i can't say that i wouldn't recommend it to everyone i think it's not for everybody if you have patience 
and you um, understand that the game has fairly difficult controls that take a little bit to get the hang of, you'll have a good time with it. Mm-hmm. If you're a very impatient person who gets easily like bored by things, avoid it because yeah. it's it probably won't be for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we also watched some uh, some TV shows and some movies, or at least you watched some movies. Um, one of them, uh, we'll actually talk about Stranger Things uh, for last before we move into the game. That that way we can kind of um, uh, you can turn it off afterward so connor go ahead and talk about your movies what is uh what's warning do not play a very confusing movie <laughs> <laughs> it's a i thought I, okay i mean i thought it was a korean found footage movie instead it is a korean horror movie about a found footage movie that's a little confusing it gets worse <laughs> so you didn't like this movie I thought there were good elements to it, though I think the story was a little too convoluted for its own good. Okay. Um, the whole premise of the story uh, revolves around a short, well, like an indie movie creator, and she had made a horror movie many years ago that was fairly popular, and now... I think it's implied that maybe she hasn't made a movie in a while and the person who is working with her to get the movie made is kind of putting some pressure on her saying like, you know, this is, this is your last chance to get it, get a a movie made. We need a script, all this stuff. And so, uh, she hears about this story about a, found footage horror film that was made by students at this college that was so scary they had to like remove it from showings and they they only had one showing of it and so she's obviously intrigued by that and begins trying to figure out who made this film and in her searches she finds out that the movie was never actually shown to the audiences, but it was saved on a drive at the college in question. And so she talks to a friend there, and she kind of sneaks onto his computer and steals the files. But they are corrupted. And so she's, like, trying to, like, repair the files and stuff, but they're not really loading. In the meantime, she goes online and she posts about this film, you know, this urban legend, so to speak. And she gets a phone call from someone saying, hey, or it was a phone call or an email. It doesn't matter. But they reach out and they're like, hey, you know, take this post down now. Mm. And she's like, I'm not going to do that unless you meet with me in person. And so she meets the person and finds the person who created this film. And he's like on edge and crazy and he doesn't want to tell her anything about it. And he's like just you know, forget about this film, delete it, go on your way. And even gets a little aggressive towards her. And so her being dumb (laughs) follows him back to his house and uh, tries to get more information on it. Events occur, yada, yada, yada. She eventually 
decides to go to the the abandoned theater where this found footage movie was filmed. And while she is there, simultaneously, the person who was working on the film with her, I don't know if it's her boyfriend, her producer, or something. They don't really establish that relationship, I don't think. But he comes back to her apartment, and the file has uncorrupted. And he mm. watches it. And he sees, like, all of these people in this cast and crew getting horribly murdered by things they can't see. And she gets to this building and basically has to witness all of that original cast and crew getting killed in front of her. And then the guy who recorded the film shows up there and he like accuses her. He's like, Oh, I knew you were the ghost all along and blah, blah, blah. And like ties her up and is going to like, Jesus Christ, basically burn her alive. It seems like, and then he's brutally murdered by this ghost thing she escapes, but then the ghost starts attacking her, and for some reason this whole time she's like trying to like take pictures and record this thing that's happening. And uh, she escapes, and she's horribly wounded, and finds out that this producer or boyfriend or whomever goes into this building, and she hears him on the, the phone dying while he's looking for her. And then she makes a film based off of all of this and plays it in front of a, a group of people. Wow, what an asshole. Yeah. So it's a film inside a film inside a film? Yeah. It was weird, dude. It was. Mm. I would not recommend it. It's it's just weird. Okay, sweet. Uh, one more. Uh, then, we can, then we have something we, we can both talk about. Uh, nobody sleeps in the woods tonight. Okay, yeah. Um, this one I'm a little bit more loose on because I, uh, I was playing Civ while doing this and this is a foreign film. It's a Polish film. So I was watching and reading subtitles and playing a game at the same time. Were you playing Poland? I was not Poland. Mm. I was Russia. You bastard. It's okay. Trey was China and our ally was korea but we call them north korea and we were against all of the nato countries <laughs> if it makes you feel better oh my god horrible things happen to us in good this game. <laughs> like we didn't have raging barbarians turned on but they were literally spawning barbarians every single round around our place we were losing like the the other civilizations were doing they had three times the score that we did because we couldn't do anything. We were just constantly hit by barbarians every turn. So, you know what? There was some sort of karmic justice going on for that decision. Okay. I didn't mean to derail you. It's all right. Continue. Polish film. Yes. It's Polish film. Um, no one sleeps in the woods at night, I believe is what it's called. Um, and then there's a second film actually on Netflix too um, in the series. So this movie takes place um, – at a camp for uh, young adults, teens, I'm not really sure what they're supposed to be, who are, like, super addicted to, like, technology and social media. So they take their phones, their computers, all their technology away, and they make them go out camping. And then while they're in the woods, 
they slowly start getting killed off. And you find out that the thing that is killing them is these two giant, grotesque men with boils all over their body and what is like apparent super strength. And they're also cannibals. Hmm. And the whole reason they're like this is because, I guess, way back in the day, there was this mom and her two twin sons and... A meteor crashed, and the kids took the meteor and put it underneath their bed, and it like turned them into this these horrible boily monsters. And so she, the mom, like traps these boys in the basement, and is like feeding them like wild boar and stuff like that down there. Hmm. And then one day they grab her and pull her into the basement and uh, kill her. And that's when they get free and they start killing all these people. And the story centers around mostly these different teenagers. And there's like this one main girl whose uh, family died in like a horrific car crash. And she becomes like the, the lone survivor of this situation and eventually escapes. There's not a whole lot to say about this movie in general. It's kinda hokey. And you kind of question how these giant 400-pound dudes are sneaking up on people and killing them. And then why... I question why all of the characters make the decision to hide when these creatures are around. Because I can't imagine they could run very fast. Right. They're like giant roly-poly men. And I think, honestly, if you just ran in one direction away from them, you would leave them so far in the distance, it would not even be funny. Like, I was just, like, thinking of these characters, because they're like, they're, like, trying to get in there to the house where these creatures are to steal back a cell phone to call for help. And I'm just like, just pick a direction and run in it. You're young teens, you know, honestly, you're probably healthy enough to eventually find a road, you know? Yeah. You're not like us who are old and, <laughs> and out of shape. Even if it takes you days, imagine you running straight for, you know, as, as long as you can or even walking. You're probably still moving faster than these things, and they're either going to lose interest or they're going to be so far behind you that they're never going to catch up. You and know? And if at night you're scared, climb a fucking tree. Yeah. Unless they're super strong and knock over a tree, but... They seem fairly strong, but not like maybe knock over a tree strong. Hmm. Like maybe... lift a person up by their body kind of strong. Okay. Like, you know. But... Yeah, it, it's weird. I'm probably going to watch the second one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe the, sec- maybe the second one's better. I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, I finished up an anime, and it's an anime that uh, that you finished as well. Uh, My Dress Up Darling. I talked about this um, last episode, I believe. And I finally finished it, and oh my god. Mm-hmm. It is so wholesome, I want to fucking die. It's so cute, isn't it? It is. Um, and I, I really, really hoping that we'll get an announcement 
of a release date of season two. I want to see where this goes because the whole first season is centered around just a single summer vacation. Yeah. Um, and I, I love just how everything is so wholesome and you think that there's going to be a conflict, but no, it gets resolved pretty easily. And I don't mean to overuse this word wholesomely because mm-hmm. I, I am so used um, for I'm sorry. I'm so used to American tropes to where it's like there needs to be some kind of convoluted conflict that needs to be about the entire episode. Like, um, just like when uh, the character Juju gets involved and Juju is really impressed by Gojo, at least in the sub, um, like when Gojo was talking about about Juju, uh, you kind of saw like Kitigawa's face kind of change a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, don't, don't make this a love triangle for the love of God. Don't make this a love triangle. Mm-hmm. It never does. It's they get over it and they enjoy their cosplay sh- shoot. It's great. Yeah. So, and that's why I think I like slice of life so much is because it's just complete, just wholesomeness. Like if you're having a bad day, turn on a slice of life. Yes. Yes. There's no. That's the one thing I don't really understand how some people can only watch like action anime because like. A good, wholesome slice of life anime is like the perfect medicine for a bad day. It really is. You know? And that honestly, this week with my mental state being so bad, Dress Up Darling got me through my week. Mm-hmm. It really, really did. Um, one little disappointment, though, and this has nothing to do with the anime in particular. Um, I've said on the show several times, I'm a scrub and I watch the dub. Um, it came to my attention literally before we re, um, recorded this episode that they kind of changed Kitigawa's uh, personality a little bit mm-hmm. in the dub. There, there's a scene to where Kitigawa admits to herself that she's in love with uh, with Gojo. In the sub, she's like, "Oh my gosh, he's so cute. I love, I love him. I love him." Mm-hmm. And in the in the dub, however, there's almost like an internal conflict with Kitigawa, which is like I can't be falling in love with the cute little seamstress who's 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 BFFs with his grandfather. It's like kind of it, judgy. It, it's it's super judgy when they established um, her character to have no judgment. She's nice to everybody, mm-hmm. and it's just that one moment. Um, I I'm interested in watching the sub to see if there's any other elements of that, but. Once once that came to my attention, it kind of caught me off guard a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it, it, it happened because you were showing me the dub because I've only ever watched the sub. Yeah. And I immediately picked up and was like, that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not her character. And it doesn't fit her character, does no, it? No, it doesn't. Because So, and like I said, it has nothing to do with the anime in particular. Um, it's, n- it's not the anime's fault. I won't even go as, so far to blame the voice actor. It's fault. It could be like a localization. Could choice. be a localization, um, but I really do think with with the translated with the translators, I really think they could have gotten across the original um, sub message 
within the appropriate lift laughs because she doesn't even move her lip lips in that. It's it's all internal, internal. monologue. Yeah. So so I don't know why they went that direction. That that's a that's a very weird choice. Yeah, it betrays her character. It too betrays much. her character completely, and and she, it's that. N- never gets brought up again to where she where she's questioning herself. That's the only time where she's questions herself and all the other episodes after she's accepted it. Yeah. So very, very weird. Yeah. You can tell that that like does not fit with the rest of the the Exactly series. But but... for the love of God, guys, if you haven't watched My Dress Up Darling, watch it. Watch it. It just you get fuzzy feelings inside. You wouldn't think, like, so if you try to explain this anime to someone who has never seen it, it's it's about a, a girl who likes to cosplay who becomes friends with a, another guy who works making dolls. Ex- and if you said that alone to somebody, they're like, that sounds like something I wouldn't want to watch. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, this is something I, I found out, too, is you could, you actually learn a lot about cosplay. Yeah. In this and and like the the community of cosplaying, and there was a scene where um, Kitigawa was saying she couldn't find fangs except like werewolf's teeth, and Gojo's like, "Oh, I did some research here. You just use fake nails that I painted white." And Lily turned to me and said, "Yeah, people like to do that in real life." Mm-hmm. So like, there's real world stuff in in this anime that you can kind of take if you want to get into cosplay yourself so very good very cool i would scream if if did you watch the like i think it's like a post credits scene in the last episode i think so where she confesses to him basically oh yes where we're like like she like she was calling him saying she can't sleep uh-huh. it's been a great summer and and she was basically saying, well, you can talk to me until you fall asleep. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then Gojo falls asleep. And the shot changes to an overhead, a split screen, to where it looks like they're they're like right next to each other. But mm-hmm. they're in completely diff- different areas. And Kitigawa says, Gojo, I love you. Cut to black. Oh, it was it like it gives me like the good chills. Me like too, the, oh, dude. oh so my god. good. <laughs> oh, I'm oh, gushing over me it. Me too. Me too. Oh my god, this is so fucking good. Yes, yes. You just want to see them get together. You're like, yes, become a couple. And what what made this so good is that it was established that this is my last point before we move on. I'm sorry. Um, it was established that Gojo never got out he was always a very timid person because he was criticized as a kid for liking hina dolls and and loving the craft of the hina doll Mm -hmm. and as a result he took this one isolated moment and applied it to everyone in his life except for his grandfather Mm -hmm. and you have kitagawa who's just nice to everybody who's full of life and gojo starts coming out of his shell a little bit he starts laughing. He starts supporting her a lot more. He becomes invested in cosplay. And it's just, it was so cool seeing him come out of his shell. And simultaneously, I feel like Kitagawa learns more because she was very bad at making cosplay. She's learning more from Gojo this whole time. And she also kind of develops this like respect for those who are really good at making Mm -hmm. those things. And like 
I think one of the reasons she likes him so hard is or likes him so much is because he's such a hard worker and he like is so like you know when he commits to doing something he follows through with it and I think that shocks her the first time she realizes how much effort he puts in and so for me like the best couples in anime are the ones that just complement each other so exactly. well. Exactly. Like I do, I am 100% against the ships in anime where the characters fight the entire time mm-hmm. and they never have any character growth other than we fight and oh I guess we like each other at the end. Like uh Taiga and Ryuji? Yeah, they complement each other though. They fought, yeah. but they complement each other. There's that, other that, anime. That, that, that's what I was saying is like yeah, they, they fought, they argued. Yeah. But but they complemented each other. Yeah. And Kitigawa, not Kitigawa, um, Kai, Kagi, the too many K's here, uh, Shrogane and Kaguya. Kaguya. Yeah. Super compliment, compliment each From other. Kaguya Sama Love is War. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, uh, rom com anime is the bomb diggity dude. Yeah. <laughs> mm hmm. So, okay. La- la- last thing before we move on to, to, the, to the game and let's get physical. Stranger Things season four. We're gonna spoil a few major plot points of the second part of season four. So you have a chance to you turn it off now, or I don't know, skip I don't know five minutes or so. So, what do you think of of Stranger Things season four? The entire season or just the last couple episodes? Uh, let's let's go ahead and just do the entire season. I thought this season was a little bit shocking in how how intense it started to get, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's only winding up to get even more intense. Um, I loved the new characters they introduced for the most part, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of bummed that some of those characters don't get to carry forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of the subjects that they go over are kind of a little on the nose, but maybe in a good way. Yeah. I'm, that's a really good point. Um, I can't remember, uh, who Jonathan's best friend was. Was his name dusty? Oh gosh. What is his name? The stoner. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh my God. Now it's going to bother me. Give me just one second. Danger things. Season four cast. Season four cast. I'm really sorry, everyone. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Come on, IMDb. Give give me something here. But he he was like my favorite new character. Actually, no, I take that back. He was like my second favorite new character. I was gonna say you best not shame on Eddie. Eddie was amazing, and it was it was so funny. Well, it was not really funny. It was so cool because. You kind of saw him as like this super eccentric, crazy dude, especially and almost in a way a fuck up because it was established earlier in season four that he's going to finally graduate. So so it was established that he had to um, repeat the 12th grade several times. Yeah. And so... I saw him as a fuck up, but no, he's like a genuinely like good person. Yeah, and oh, it's Argyle. Argyle is the guy you're thinking of. Oh wow, I was way off. <laughs> I was way off. Like the sweater. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, 
he was such a great addition to the show, and I I wanted to see more of him going forward. But and I think his relationship, though very brief, like I'm talking very brief with Chrissy, felt really like cute and genuine. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Um, so they they filmed they filmed spoiler alert. Um, Chrissy's death before um, their interaction in the forest. Mm-hmm. And the Duffer brothers said that if they would have known like those two actors would have good, such good chemistry, they probably would have kept Chrissy around longer. Yeah. Like, such good acting from both of them. I kind of wonder if it would have been, though tragic, good for them to have... Eddie developed this relationship with Chrissy over time. Mm-hmm. And then um, eventually her tragic death kind of sort of like snaps him a little bit. Yeah. And it would also give the, I don't remember the character's name, but the Chrissy's boyfriend, her actual boyfriend. Owen or something. It would have given him an actual reason if he saw Chrissy with this guy for him to be hunting for her and so avid against chasing him down yeah. other than just religious reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I completely lost what I was going to say, but I'm just going to say that I completely agree with you. Um, his Eddie's death made me the saddest. Yes. Um, especially, especially since... They they were throwing some curveballs for a long time. People were gonna speculate that um, uh, Steve. No, yeah, people speculated. Yeah, that Steve, Steve. Steve was gonna die. Um, especially because like if you think about it, he has n- no family. We know nothing about his family. I don't even remember seeing his parents in the er- in the earlier seasons. Gosh, I can't remember. <laughs> so it would make sense if if he were to pass or, or or die because he doesn't really have have those connections other than with like Dustin and the kids. And there's a scene in uh in in season four where um Eddie and Dustin are like like super close. They're super close, and it almost seemed like they were passing the torch from mm-hmm. Steve to Eddie. And then they throw this curveball and kill off Eddie. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if I had one little gripe about it, and Lily and I were talking about this on our walk, uh, last night. Um, Owen or the basketball player's uh, death was very anticlimactic. Yeah, he just kind of sort of dies offhandedly, like mm-hmm. during the. Uh... The splitting of the town. Yeah, when it starts. The literal splitting of the town. Yeah, like, like cracks physically splitting, um, because they built, um, his, his descent into craziness through the entire season. He was basically a secondary villain the whole time. He was. Well, a third villain. Yeah, I mean, because you got like the Russians got, and well, fourth, I guess you have the Russians, you have the U.S. government, you have the Vecna, and then you have these bullies, basically. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think it would have been better if he was like shot or 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 killed in a more like satisfying way, because 
when he ran into Nancy um, in, like, the surplus store, it, that was a very intense scene. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's that's really the only grab I have. I, I would – this season was so good. That, the last two episodes, I swear, especially the last episode, like, I was, like, on pins and needles, man. Like, mm-hmm. I – uh. When they had all of the separate conflicts simultaneously happening at once, like all of the climaxes for all the separate story arcs were happening at once, and they were all kind of dependent on each other, you know, like, oh, if Hopper and his group of people end up killing the the uh, Demodogs and the Demogorgon at the Russian facility, it might weaken Vecna enough for the other mm-hmm. characters to escape. And the other characters are being like, you know, trapped and attacked and they're tied up. And then you have Eleven who's like tied up as well and can't do anything. And then you also have Max who is about to die. And at the same time, um, the bully is is there and he's he's beating mm-hmm. up. Uh, gosh, what's his name? What's his name? I'm I, so, Lucas. Lucas. Yeah, he's beating up Lucas. I'm so bad with the character names. Um, and then you got Steve, Nancy, and Robin, and Eddie, who are in the ups. Uh, not not Eddie. Oh yeah, Eddie and Dustin, who are in the Upside Down, yeah. trying trying to find Vecna. Yeah. So all of them were um like hand in hand hand, and I thought it tr- like each scene transitioned fairly well. Yeah. So it's it's such a Ugh, it was so stressful, mm-hmm. but like I immediately wanted more. Yeah. So my theory, Max. So at the end of it, obviously Max is like basically like a coma, right? Mm-hmm. I think Max is going to stay into the coma until Vecna is defeated, and then she's going to wake up because I think I' not certain. But based off her interactions with Eleven, or lack thereof, you know, when Eleven comes in, touches her, but can't find her anywhere, I think that somehow Max is now tied to Vecna. And so defeating him would release her to come back. Kind of like defeating the Mind Flayer released Will. Exactly. So, okay. That's my theory. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. (laughs) So that'll do for the, the, the stuff that we watched. So, we have one more thing before we get into our game. All right. Our game tonight is going to be Dust and Elysian Tale. But before we get into it, Connor, keep this brief. What is going to be? Let's get physical. Uh, we just have one game. Okay. So, it's going to be very brief. Okay. <laughs> um, it's kind of been a short... Uh, month for releases i guess or a small month for releases but uh so we have live alive uh which is 50 dollars. Mm-hmm. it's a switch exclusive and it's a wide release and it says the rpg game live alive makes its worldwide debut in hd 2d on nintendo switch previously unreleased outside of japan the rpg game is releasing on the nintendo switch in the hd 2d style i don't know why i repeated that Hmm. Uh, seven different stories featuring different protagonists, time periods, and gameplay styles await. In the Wild West, a wanderer with a bounty on his head fights for his life. In the twilight of Edo, Japan, a shinobi undertakes a secret mission. Experience these tales 
in order in the order you choose. The adventure is yours to control. What other stories will you uncover on the horizon? So it's basically a uh, a uh, I don't know how to even describe it. Like an RPG where you play as completely different characters in completely different time periods, and you um, I don't know how they all tie together, but it just seemed like really fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, and I always kind of like the the 2D HD thing they have going on now, like with um, my brain, it's not picking it up. It's all good. There's there's like two other games out right now that have that style. Hmm. Uh, they're they're on Switch as well. My brain doesn't work. Uh, but that one releases on the. Fudge. See, I uh, I'm obviously off my game here, but let me grab it real quick. Uh, it feels good to be on the other side. Yeah, I know. It's it's, <laughs> it's my bad. July twenty second. That's what I thought okay. it was, but my brain stopped working. Okay. Yeah, July twenty second. All right. Finally, moving on to our game. Man, it's been it's been a long, long, long pleasantries, but that's okay. You're the most pleasant though. Aw, bitch. <laughs> So, Dust and Elysian Tale is a game developed by Humble Hearts, released uh, in 2012, originally on the Xbox Live Arcade, and then released in 2013 on PC, 2015 on PlayStation, and then 2018 on Switch. A lot of release release dates here. Um, you can generally beat this in 10 hours, and as I stated before, you can get this for Xbox, PC, PlayStation, and Switch. Um, Elysian Tale is where you pl- um, is set in a world of Falana. Protagonist Dust Journey journeys to liberate an oppressed village and rediscovers past. He is aided by an ancient sword, Ara, and a sidekick, Fidget. So this is a 2D side-scroller, hack and slash. Um, you basically kill monsters and you just go on an adventure. Yeah. Um, your sidekick fidget, which is a almost like a flying fox-like creature. She's a nimbat. A nimbat. Thank you. Um, she has abilities that you can use um, to kind of give yourself um, additional power. There, there is a an ability tied to the X button to where you spin your sword quickly, and that can almost works as like a cyclone effect to where it can suck things up and also shoot shoot them forward. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of your like your area of attack that you can use alongside with with Fidget's abilities. So, um, I thought this game was from what I played uh, was really really good. It is beautifully animated, absolutely beautiful. Uh, all the advertisement says that all this was hand painted. Okay, I can um, believe that. all the sprites were hand painted and then obviously put put into um voice acted and and animation um the combat feels so good it's so much fun killing these monsters and it's a lot deeper than i thought oh yeah and especially as you unlock more abilities uh, for fidget like you can pull off some really cool stuff yeah there there was a point in the game where i was just doing your typical typical slashing and then i noticed dust doing a new move he like did like a one like a one-handed somersault twist, or in a way, it's like, how did I do that? And so, even it's like, and there's no, I couldn't find any like 
combo menus or anything. So it's, you you have to figure it out on your own. Which, What's your highest combo? Uh, probably like eighty something. Oh, baby boy! I know. My don't... my highest combo is one thousand eighty one. Jesus Christ, dude! I got an achievement for getting over one thousand. Wow. <laughs> Lot. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, I didn't get very far into this game, but that's that's. Mm, I feel bad. But... <laughs> It's a good game. It is. It, it's a really good game, and I and I want to keep playing. I just don't have the time. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I thought the monsters were also really cool too. All of them just were very creative, and 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 they actually like can change how you play the game. Like there are certain monsters that will completely cut off Fidget's abilities for a, for a while. Yeah, they'll silence her. Mm-hmm. And there's poison that will not go away unless you have a like a healing potion or a healing mushroom there's fire too mm. and then uh the enemies change based on the region you're in as well so you get different enemies and it, you get to a certain point too near the end of the game where the enemies become armored and so if you are trying to hit them with a regular attack or even your like spin forward attack you'll bounce off of them Interesting. Which can be a pain in the ass to deal with. And then there's some enemies, um, I want to say it's in Chapter 4, that cannot be hit by physical attacks. So they need to be hit by fidget abilities. Correct. It, it kind of reminds me of those floating of those floating explosive guys where you they're only vulnerable when they start sucking in air. The easiest way to handle those, run towards them and hit back, back dodge. That's, They'll just explode each other. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what I did. So... <laughs> Um, it took me a little bit to understand the navigation here. I didn't notice it at first until I kind of started experimenting, but the mini map on the upper right corner is like the, the, the green is shows like that's, that's the room or the area that you're in. And there are these open spots that could be up, down, left, right. And that is so a direction you can go. And with it being a side scroller, I thought this was all semi or pretty linear when it's really not. I guess I didn't really pick it up that quickly at first, as opposed to like Fury Unleashed, which kind of gave you the map layout to start out with, which mm -hmm. which would translate that okay, I can go anywhere on this page. Dust didn't have that. It's just, that you just kind of have to kind of figure it out as you go. Yeah, you can't see the outline of the map until you actually visit each area, and you can't actually. So, you can traverse back and forth um, between the sections of the map normally. It puts up a barrier. I don't know if you picked that up, but it sounds like our wives are downstairs and tormenting your dogs. <laughs> it sounds that way. Anyway, what I was going to say is, <laughs> if you have not cleared out the enemies at least once in that area, it puts up a barrier. So the first time you go through a, a section, it seems like you have to clear out the enemies before you can pr progress on the next day. Mm -hmm. So you can't just like bolt through, dodging all the enemies, and then keep going through and run right. through the game. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, also... I didn't quite understand how level up works. Like it's, this is not something where you, if you level up, you get a skill point and you can allocate those skill points. They seem to be automatically allocated to a certain stat. That's because it's a setting. Oh, it's, it's a what? There's a setting in the options menu. 
you can have it set to automatically allocate or you can select it yourself. Really? Yep. Okay. Yep. It must have been like the a difficulty thing because I just played it on casual because I just wanted to experience the story. Casual puts it by default that allocates it. Okay. Interesting. Um, wow. I guess I should have should have digested what I read. <laughs> it's it's seriously like I got really into this game. Yeah. So I'll let you know. Uh, <laughs> It's really funny too because it's it's generally so hard for me to like to digest what I read, and I'm so glad this game had voice acting in it because otherwise I would I probably wouldn't have I would have had a much harder time. Yeah, it's nice that it's fully voice acted. It's like that. and it's very well voice acted too. Yeah, for the most there, part. There's 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 a couple weird script reads, but that's about it's really few and far between. The only thing I'd say. Uh, I, I just kind of thought of this is like you mentioned that you liked the the art style. I think I liked it for the most part too. I think the character design seemed kind of amateurish, but that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I just think they they're like from someone who tried to replicate a like a Disney character style. Yeah, maybe um, that was intentional. Yeah, and it's not bad. It's just. It it does give kind of an amateur vibe to it. Mm-hmm. But something that you that you brought okay, actually before I bring that up, I did have a small issue with the Switch version. It took probably like four times as long to to read the game software before I started playing. Cause um because you know, whenever you like start a Switch game, there's a very there's a menu that says checking to see if the software can be played. Mm -hmm. and then you go into the game if you play it on a light yeah um i never had this issue with any other game with it being this long and i looked it up and it says that if if you're not playing on your primary console it'll take a little bit longer uh my oled's not my primary console i haven't i haven't gotten to the point of switching from my light to my oled as my primary console because every time i think about it i forget about it so, but it was really weird because I've never had that issue with any other game. Um, and it loads just fine. I put it on Steam yeah. Deck. It loads just fine. It, after after the game was loaded and ready to go, I didn't have any other issues with it. It's just, I thought it was really weird. Uh, because I thought maybe it was because I it was a digital game, but I played um, The Gardens Between digitally. I had never had that issue. So, hmm. I don't know. Maybe it was just something weird with, with the game. Um, something that you brought up that bothered you is multiple is, I'm sorry, the last boss was multiple phases. Yes. Um, and I completely agree with you of this being very bothersome. I generally have a, a rule and I talked to you about this over text last night. I think two to three phases max is good for a boss fight. Yeah. And I don't. The thing, the reason I think I had the most problem with it in this game is I played the game on normal difficulty and I, I maybe throughout the entire course of the game died two or three times. Mm -hmm. Not very much. Um, it, it's not a, it's a difficult game, but it's not like unbearably difficult. And all the other boss fights were literally just one phase. So, 
I get to the final boss, and he's tough. And I manage to defeat him, and then his health bar comes all the way back up. I get him about three-fourths of the way down on that one, and I get killed. I'm like, what the fuck? I try him one more time, get a little bit further, and then I see a third health bar. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I get killed again. And at this point, like, I don't have enough currency in the game to buy enough health to, to keep fully healthed up, you know? Like, and so I was like, well, fuck it. And I just turned it down to casual for that last fight. And he still killed me, I think, like, three times mm. in there. And uh, I finally defeated him. But it, there's no real... There's no real reason for him to have four phases because it didn't really seem to me that his fight style changed that much. He didn't physically change that much. Only thing that changed was the terrain, which is whatever, you know. Um, but there's no just, reason to have a whole new health bar for a change in terrain. Yeah. It's... it it. It sounded like, it sounds like a just an artificial difficulty spike to where it's like, oh, this is the final boss. This needs to be challenging, so just up the difficulty. Yeah. With with without any reason for it to be. Yeah. And I don't know, it just seemed weird. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I was like, eh, I don't really care. I, I went into the menus and it's like, Oh, you might not get some achievements if you Who cares? If you turn to casual and I was like, I don't care. It's one level I don't care. And I didn't want to like sit there and spend two or three hours grinding this level and trying to beat him, getting more and more frustrated mm-hmm. because the flow of the story is good. Like I just thought it brought the end of the game to like, like a wall. Right. You know? And, uh, I, the thing is like, I don't know why it was such a difficulty spike. I, as I said, I maybe died two or three times playing my entire playthrough and then you get there, and it's like, ah, fuck you, kill you. <laughs> like, and uh, so, yeah. But but overall, like, from what I played, though, I, I would give this game, like, an eight. You can't give it that yet. You don't even know the story. Just give me a chance, dog. Do you want to know the story? I could say it right now. Yes. The story's very interesting. Spoilers, go. Okay. So the whole premise of the story is you wake up, as this character, you don't know your name, you don't know your history, you're completely like a blank slate, and you encounter Fidget and then this sword. And the sword can talk, by the way, his name's Ara. And you go by the name of Dust, is what they just name you, because you came from Dust or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You find out through the game that you are two people combined into one. Interesting. You are Jin who is Ginger's younger brother. Okay. And you are Cassius, who is one of the general's warriors. Okay. Interesting. And you combine together after you died fighting each other. Hmm. And so the Moonbloods, which are like the reptilian sort of race, they formed you into this new being to bring like uh like safety to them what basically so they knew that that Cassius was like this strong warrior but Jin had a pure heart and so they they combined the two and so now you are dust the combination of the two and uh 
you find this out in the last bit of the game and you basically redeem yourself through all the actions of saving people throughout the story and earn the respect of the Moonbloods along the way while finally meeting with the general and him confronting you and not believing that you are dust. He still thinks that you are Cassius and uh, you end up dying at the end. Hmm. Um, but it kind of seems like maybe your soul is alive and Fidget goes looking for you. And that's how it ends. Kind of opens up as a potential s- sequel. Yeah. Even though I don't, I don't know if there's it's, ever. It's been be almost one. ten years since this game was first released. Yeah, it's seeming unlikely. But I, I'd be interested to see what other games, if the studios even created more games. Yeah, I'd say like the further you get into the game, the more you unlock too. So I think there's some key things that maybe you didn't get to experience, which are kind of nice things. You you get a slide move at a certain point where you can slide underneath things and you can slide into people. I've I've noticed that there, I've noticed when I was um, navigating there were some like like low uh, crevices that I couldn't fit through. Yep, you get a double jump at a certain point. Okay, uh, which comes in handy quite a bit. And uh, Fidget can learn like three different abilities. Mm-hmm. So you have her like normal blast that you get at the beginning of the game where you can just like pepper people and, with like, a fire. You get the fire pillars that come up, and then you get electricity. And the electricity one is the one I used all the time because I would do, I would trigger the electricity, and then I would do the spin move, which lets you kind of aim the electricity where you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is I'd find a crowd of enemies or even a large enemy, trigger the electricity, and then just spin back and forth through them, and you would just do maximum damage. And that's how I got that over a thousand combo. I found okay. a, a crowd. A huge crowd of enemies and then just boom 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 back and forth. I gotta continue this game this weekend. Dude, it is I I got addicting. <laughs> I bet. Um does the electricity like do extra damage to the armored enemies? I don't know if it does anything extra, but it I feel like it maybe does the most damage out of all of them just because the fire is very specific. It only shoots up maybe one to three fire pillars. Mm-hmm. And so you're limited on your AOE. The first attack's pretty good, but it does very small amounts of damage in rapid succession. Where the electricity is just like a constant until it goes away. Okay. And uh, you can kind of launch yourself with the uh, spin move while you're doing the electricity. So if there's some enemies that you've knocked into the air, you do the spin move and you can like fly up them into the air, knocking them further up in the air, and then you can do a down slash move, which is like your strongest move, and like come down and just hit them all hard. And so like there's some really cool like combos you can come up with that like I really hope you get to experience because like those are some of my favorite moments in the game. Yeah. And, and like that that electricity and spin move combo I was talking about, that's like the best way to take out the ghost characters that can't be hit by physical attacks. Interesting. Is just like zap them and then go back and forth. And there's some really interesting and tough bosses near the end as well. Um, you have to fight a giant ghost monster at, at these mansions. You have to fight these giant, you know, you've probably seen some giant characters before. Yeah. Right? There are giant armored characters too, which well, it one hit, took like three-fourths of my health from those. Jeez. So they're tough. And uh, at the very final battle, you actually get 
some of the Moonbloods to fight with you. Cool. Against the armored people. So you get like a squad of people that come with you as you fight through the army. Nice. So yeah, all those things for me make this game like an easy nine. Awesome. And which means I, I have got to play this game, especially this weekend, since I will be um I'll, I'll be out of town. So I'll be at my parents' uh, lake house and give Just me time. Take your to... switch with you, man. See, that's what makes the switch so good. So or the Steam Deck. I took my Steam Deck. Well, with I don't me have neighbor. a Steam Deck. I don't have the money I mean, for a Steam Deck want right me now. To say, man. But but yeah, that thing will just about do it for us. We ha- uh next week's games is going to be <clears throat> Caller Juarez Gunslinger, mm-hmm. and we're doing something a little bit different with little with, with our next game, uh, Little Nightmares. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor and I are going to experience this at the same time, so he's going to play it, or I'm going to play it, and we're. We're going to be, like, um, next to each other, experiencing the game at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a Game Grump style a little bit. I don't know if we're going to record our experience with it and and uh, cut in. Uh, that's something I'm going to have to s- see if it's possible behind the scenes. But thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you guys next time. See you.